so much, Danny, for joining us. Yeah. For the Big Apple Film Festival for our Agents and Managers Conference. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Um, folks, remember, you can post questions in the Q&A. I will try to get to as many as possible within the 50 minutes we have allocated for this. Uh, if I don't get to your question, apology, uh, apologies in, in advance. But Danny, it's great, again, to have you here. We'd love for you to talk a little bit about your, your current role at APA and like just how you got involved in the industry. Sure. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, I work in the script literary department at APA, so that covers features, TV, media rights. Um, uh, I'm primarily on the television side, so that requires that, you know, that's focusing on staffing and development. Those are usually the two lanes I describe when we talk about TV. That's staffing on existing shows, upcoming shows, things in development, and then development, which can be uh, original client projects with their pitches, specs, um, underlying IP, their shopping, or open writing assignments set up on the buyer to producer side, you know, existing IP that they're looking for a writer for a take on. So um, those are the two main avenues. I work really um, closely um, with both our feature and IP side. So I also represent direct film directors, film writers, authors, uh, podcasters who are looking to develop further in TV. Um, uh, but yeah, that's me in a nutshell there. I grew up in the Midwest from Indiana. Um, I graduated undergrad. I've been in LA for 10 years now. I've been an agent for four. Um, and I, I moved out here for representation. That was what I wanted to do. Okay, got it. Um, so we got a few questions popping up. First is from Mary. Uh, they write, I wrote a sci-fi horror sequel to a major motion picture. What is the best way to promote that script if there is a role for the original star? She wrote an original, she wrote a screenplay that's a sequel to an existing movie. Yes, yeah, to and IP already. Okay, and it's, okay. So um, that's that's a couple steps. It's it's a little, you know, tricky process because obviously if it's like, let's say it's um, a universal property and they just had the movie, like there might be plans for developing it as maybe there's a sequel that they're looking to do. Um, more times than not, they want to hear like a, a pitch version, um, even on the feature side. Um, when it's an existing movie or they're looking for someone so it would just need to be getting to the right studio execs and like making sure it's see, getting a sense of where they are in their slate if they want to develop it they're looking to do it as a sequel and um if it's a finished you know if it's a finished spec like you can share that with them uh but uh, usually it's like pitching what their vision is because they're going to want to have their say and stuff but you know if you had a finished spec they'll probably pay you for like a rewrite but don't be surprised if it's like a page one but look, you, if you feel strongly about what your vision is on that script, then that's what you got to share. Um, if it's, now, if this is like, if you're talking about like an older film, um, like a movie from like the 80s or 70s that you're trying to redevelop um, or want to reboot as a movie, um, if it's not quite on the studio's radar, then you would just, we would have to do a check with the, the creative execs, but also their BA to get a sense of the rights. Because a lot of the, sometimes those movies by the 80s and before, there's always some like wackadoodle producer who might have the rights that they have to loop in and may not be worth it for them. Um, so it's just checking a sense of who actually has the rights to it. And uh, um, it, it doesn't fit their slate for what they're trying to do upcoming, like this work in the future. Would they want to do it as like a TV series, right? Like now you're seeing like American Gigolo as a TV show, um, Fatal Attraction is going to be a TV show. Um, so they they might already have a plan on either side. So the, the, the quick answer is there's always a way to check and usually starting with the studio first where the rights are, what they're doing with it. Um, but just keep in mind that usually with clients that are interested in a movie or rebooting something, we usually tell them to hold on specking it uh, before they uh, before they put all the work in. Um, so just keep that in mind. 
Got it. Okay, that, that's kind of a good segue to our next question from James, which is, I've been told that no one will read or consider my work without the money attached to it. How does one with no money make that happen? I need more context to that. Is this like a like a feature or finished spec or like you had a movie idea and you need funding to make it or what's what exactly are, are they coming from? What was the original yeah. idea they have here? James, if you want to share that in the chat and we can we can elaborate a little bit more to get a little bit more context for Danny. But we'll we'll go to the next question uh, okay. for now. Uh, from Sam, who wrote, writes, I'm a successful DGA first assistant director transitioning to TV directing. I have a short film I directed just starting to enter festivals. I have great contacts with showrunners. I'd love to find a manager to help with building my directing career. Do you have any suggestions for how to go about that? I think getting to festivals is a good start. Um, you know, uh, the directing space in TV is, is um, it's, it's, sim it's straightforward, but it's also just it's like chicken the egg. It's like getting an entry level position when you need entry level experience. It's some, it's some, it's it's kind of some of that BS in a way. And you also need to kind of like look at yourself realistically. Like, are you someone who is going to be developing and making a lot of features long term? Then that might make you a better angle for just going straight to like directing a pilot um, if you have a good vision and POV, or if you work with certain showrunners or producer directors or students who want to work with you long term. Maybe they'll want to get you an episode on a like second season of a show to cult to like get you the experience and then get you um directing your first pilot um but i think getting you into festivals getting more exposures can be a good first step um because a lot of managers will look at those and like get a sense of who's out there who they're excited about in terms of the voice um that's the first step and honestly getting rep is you know a helpful step to get to what you want to do um but it's not the solution to that question i think i think the question is how do you break into episodic directing or even pilot directing um it's it's either going through programs that like certain buyers have working with the right show showrunners or people like avu duvernay who want to support those vi visions and voices and will you know help like get you those um roles um or it's being really judicious about the right types of shows that are looking for first-time directors for for that content. Um, so it's just keeping in mind with episodic directing, um, it's it's a little trickier when you just have a indie short. Um, they're gonna wanna know you have like TV experience prior to that, or at least even like a full French, full, full fledged TV, I mean feature will be more beneficial in that sense. So you're probably like a step or two away if you just have a short right now, is what I'm saying. Like either you need to continue to cultivate yourself on the feature side and either shop something from there to TV or work with certain showrunners who are gonna be supportive of putting you into an episodic block. And just keep in mind with like, if there's a showrunner doing like a first time series, more, more than not the first season, they like to fill those rooms with those director spots uh, with people who've already had extensive TV experience. Usually by like season two and three, that's when you see like, you know, um, even like talent, like the lead roles start to direct their own episodes and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, they're, they're, they can they, they can be more open to first-time directors in those spaces, but just keep in mind that um, there's a lot of factors when it comes to episodic directing. Understood. Uh, real quick, Ross shouted out your heavy metal poster. Uh, appreciate oh, yeah. the old school <laughs> about that. Uh, Michael asks, Danny, are you open to watching trailers or director sizzle reels for consideration? 
Is this for for feature directing or episodic? Uh, they didn't really elaborate. What what would be your perspective Finish, on either? I I would say finished product is much more important. Um, whether it's a full fight feature, full fleshed feature, or a short, um, a sizzle reel, or something to um, short concept. I think uh, it, it'll be a little tougher for us to like push through. Um, but something that's like a finished work will be more. I would rather watch a full length feature. Um, than just like a sizzle reel or something. Um, even if it's just like, okay, music videos I've directed, commercials I've directed, something like a finished product, that'll be more uh, valuable to me. So if someone uh, such as Ron in our chat says they have a complete half hour pilot for a comedy series, would that potentially get them in the door or at least get them some meetings? I would definitely check it out. Um, you know, I, I usually encourage clients not to go out and finance their own pilot script pilot uh, because, you know, just the way TV development goes, it's usually, you know, it's either starting with a pilot in format or um, an underlying IP or a pitch or one of those factors, like a finished pilot, you're probably not in the budget range. Like, you know, even a half hour nowadays is like in the one to $4 million range, you know, for a half hour. So they're getting pricier. They're like at a higher threshold now. So buyers tend to, or studios at least will want to finance that themselves. But when it comes to like getting a sense of your voice and like your POV as a rep, sure, I would definitely check it out and see how it comes out. Because if you're beyond the budget, notwithstanding, if you're able to kind of put everything together in a way that showcases your voice well, um, we can use that for festivals. We can use that to introduce you, um, get you in front of programs, showrunners, um, all that stuff. So what would be your biggest piece of advice for an aspiring writer that's looking for an agent? Biggest piece of advice for a writer looking for an agent and is this more for tv or feature let's let's go with both if you could give a little path for both of those i think i think for both um at the very least you know obviously you got to be a strong writer know how to draft and like i would say feature have like a know how to tell a contained story in that in that piece um tv know how to set up a series conflict in your pilot script like you know um it can't just be a voicey half hour type of thing um, but I think beyond those, it's just like having a voice. I mean, it's hard to like really substantiate that, but like just you have something unique to say, whether it's like you know how to balance tonality well, or you know how to like invite us into worlds we haven't seen before. Are you really good at world building and like just taking like tropes and stories that maybe we've seen before or borrowed previously, but in a way we haven't seen before um, or feel fresh and unique? Um, that's that's kind of hard to say. It's more just like mm. when I read it, you can see it, you know, and everyone can, and reps can be very subjective with that. Right. And like buyers can be subjective with that. But, you know, when you read something and it feels just fresh or original, um, you just know it when you see it. So. Got it. Lynn asks, what are you currently looking for in projects, genres with prospective clients? Do you read new clients based on referrals? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll read clients based off referrals. It tends to be a lot of um, like from other managers and we've signed clients via managers, especially who have placed in like Austin Film Fest, other festivals, you know, that were being read and not just even the winners, but like the semifinals, quarterfinals, so those are posted. Um, there's a lot of people boots on the ground who are gauging through all that material and reading. And so we'll, especially with referrals, um, you know, we've signed clients off of that. Um, also from producers and execs who have worked. Um, and that's the other thing too, is like, you know, every so often we'll we'll sign someone you know out of grad school or out of out of college or something that we just love their voice and maybe it's like 
a lot of developmental work, but we just see a strong voice there. Um, but don't be surprised if you're also doing your own work and like meeting with producers, developing content, even getting a show on our assistant gig or a festival place before you get representation exposure, because sometimes you'll, there's such a thing as finding a, a, a rep way too early, like a, a manager or agent who comes, up, comes along too prematurely and maybe they don't have all the connections you need or gives you the right sort of advice and know-how. Um, so sometimes it's always just keep in mind to like put as much time into yourself first before you rely on a rep to do a lot of whatever work it is. So I, I would say continue to go into festivals, get placed, you know, get the right type of exposure from people. And when you, you'll know when um, you're in the right, you're going on the right steps because then I'll, it's not just one random manager reaches out to, it's going to be multiple people who will be reaching out to you. Got it. Carrie asks, if someone has made a successful documentary feature and then wants to transition to narrative features, does the success in the documentary world help with interest for a feature script and director? It can to a certain extent. I mean, I can say at least on the television side, I've shopped documentaries as like underlying narrative and scripted and we've set that up. You know, we usually will pair you with like a strong TV producer or you know, depending on your expectations about you want to write it or at least be supervised, like, okay, if you don't want to write it, you just want to control the IP, we can bring on a writer. If you feel like you really want to write it, then we've got to find like a, a producers who support that, but then maybe a supervisor, like a dedicated showrunner who can help, you know, um, advise you long-term. Um, so yeah, a, a full-fledged documentary can definitely help you in terms of like um, segueing that into like feature directing or writing. Um, it's going to come down to how much does that documentary showcase like an underlying narrative element to it? Like, does it show like a strong story in that like buyers can see them be like, okay, he or she, or they know how to translate this into telling this type of story, this type of space. So if the, if the documentary is centered on, you know, a certain, uh, mil a conflict, you know, somewhere in the world regionally, maybe we probably look and be looking at, okay, can those you know, are there those type of writing assignments or directing opportunities that they could be well-versed in and help in? I will say um, it will still be helpful, especially whether it's, you know, the earlier anecdote I gave about shopping something in TV and then definitely also in features to have some sort of like samples that are true narrative samples, whether it's a feature or TV, if you're trying to push to be like, I want to shop this or I want to do something in the space, but I want to be the writer, then you'll also need a sample that speaks to that, like a feature sample or a TV sample. Got it. Could you speak a little bit to how uh, you respond to queries and uh, general outreach from an aspiring writer or creative? Queries? Um, I I probably don't respond to the majority of queries I get, um, and but it's not to say I don't read them. It's just that the right things just have to pop out of them for me to be willing to read something that's unsolicitedly coming to me. Um, you know, I feel like in the book space, they get so many more queries like that, but in, at least in scripted television, it's just, um, you know, there's only so many staff writers, what we call emerging voices that you can sign at one time. So I just have to be very stringent about like what I can take on, um, unless it's like, okay, you know, they have a good sense of like writing on the page, like we can maybe shop their specs. Um, but I would say if you were going to query letter to any sort of reps or producers, um, just make sure it's 
you know, keep that elevator pitch mentality in mind. Don't don't write an essay like it should be read within 30 seconds. Like that's how quick it is, because there's such a high inflow of emails that comes into an industry exec's inbox every day. Um, so they're going to give it like half a minute at most to review it. Um, I would start with pitching yourself first. Like what are your biggest accomplishments? Like what have you done recently that would make you show that you've like put time into your invested time into your career? You're not just like kind of you woke up one day, decided to write something new. And we do you want to get our opinion on it? It's like, no, you, you're taking this uh, career seriously. You've spent years doing A, B and C to get there. Um, so give yourself like a one, two line blurb. And then give an initial soft pitch of what your the idea you have shot your shopping, you know, why you feel it makes sense in the marketplace with the log line. And then that should be enough. All right. Lynn's asking, what genres do you like to read the most? I don't know. I love all genres. I like all TV and movies. Um, I feel like the the uh the one underlying through line is I just love good character. You know, if like you, if I feel like the characters are people that I can respond well to, um, and uh, you know, even if the characters are transferable, like they could work in a lot of different spaces, whether it's high concept or more out long family soap. Um, I think that's what I tend to gravitate towards. I also like when writers can balance tone really well. Like they, you know, it's like if it's heavy elements, but you can still laugh out loud at it. I think that's cool. Um, and then right now, I just think with the market where it is right now, I, I definitely want more things that feel commercial, you know, like, again, like the Yellowstones, the uh, succession, the more family soap is really popular and has been for a while. Um, and then even in the half hour space, it's like, you know, you either it's going to be like something very serialized and subversive, like a barrier dead to me, or it has to feel like very, there's got to be some sense of fun and joy to it. Um, Abbott Elementary, Ted Lasso, and you can talk about real life things like underfunding of schools or uh, acceptance of loss, but like it has to still feel joyful. If it feels too dark and serious or voicey, like an insecure Rami, it's a very, very, very tough market for those type of things right now. So, Got it. Audrey asks, how many episodes of a sitcom do you typically need up front before you pitch it to production companies or agents? I think that's less of how you should I mean, if, if this is a pitch, not a written spec or anything, it's just the pitch. Yeah, just okay. the pitch. Um, I think it's good to have at least a couple episodic ideas of like, okay, how this, how this like I concept can kind of like sustain itself. It's good to have that in the back of your head. Um, but I think the biggest thing is to be able to pitch the pilot and how that premise is set up and the characters in the world, give a general sense of how you introduce your characters and give buyers a sense of like, okay, how these how these characters play upon themselves and the chemistry flows. Um, I also think it's just important to like, just give a, give a sense to buyers, like thematically, what is the show about? Like, what is it that audiences mm -hmm. are gonna take away from why these characters and the relationships feel fresh and unique, um, or even in a space that like a certain buyer wants. So if like NBC yeah. really wants more family sitcoms, it's like, okay, what is the space or um, group or, region that like we haven't seen before that feels unique to us um and setting that up in the pilot that feels that people get a sense of like how you want to set that up um but other than that i think two to three ideas is enough you know beyond that like a lot of it's going to come down to a writer's room and who they fill it up with so um yeah okay 
Steve asked, I have written a TV pilot that has placed in 19 competitions and film festivals this year. This gives me the confidence that it's in good shape. I also have a 24-episode series Bible. Is that enough ammo to start pitching my anthology series to agents and or managers? And can you think of any pitfalls to avoid when doing so? So he's got a pilot script and then 24 episodes. And it's like a each series Bible. Yeah. And then each episode is a standalone episode. It sounds like by the anthology. Like, like Twilight Zone yeah. or more like, or like Black Mirror or something. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm just speculating, but that's what it sounds like. Um, yeah, if the pilot's strong, that's what you should send out. And I think you can like send maybe like a page beyond that, just like saying, giving a series treatment. Um, no one's going to read, unless people love the pilot, then they'll read the whole Bible. But more times than not, you want to give less than more. So if the pilot is strong enough to like be on its own legs and you're letting people ahead of time know this is an anthological format, like each episode, um, then I would just start with the pilot, maybe like a page series treatment to give a gist. And then ideally you're, get, you're meeting with producers and execs to like talk about where the, how you envision the rest of the show or even thematically, you know, what is it like the recurring themes and stuff that you want to kind of go? Does anything daisy chain from one episode to another? Is it more just like we're going to be talking about this type of issues in the world? Um, but uh, yeah. All right. Um, Amanda asked, do you look for scripts or writers yourselves? And if so, where do you look for them? And I'm guessing they're wondering about Coverfly, maybe Blacklist, things like that. Uh, we'll look at Coverfly. Um, I mean, we, I'll get those emails and they're, they're, you know, we've signed people who are on cover fly. I, you know, so um, I definitely have other colleagues who are more aggressive with it than I am, um, like coordinator left coordinators and whatnot. And so we'll discuss people that we see that are exciting. Um, and cover fly does a good job of like flagging, you know, again, it, it might sound um, like we're just checking boxes and things like that, like, oh, people of color or you're queer or things like that. But those things, a, a lot of, showrunners do pay attention to those types of things but also it's just for the sense of like we want to bring in new voices into the industry and like mm -hmm. you know if if you're if you if you grew up with like a big genre fan or sci-fi fan and you have like a, a unique way into it that we haven't seen before um that's important to us so i feel like those blurbs how they like send them up are helpful um but yeah other than that like when it comes to like younger writers who are breaking in um coverfly is good i think festivals um like that a lot of um that like are like kind of the big ones that a lot of writers are um contesting for and a lot of we have a lot of boots on the ground for um we'll review people there otherwise i'm getting usually recs from managers and other execs um potential clients got it for someone new to the industry what is the best way to get a referral so that your script is read either for getting representation or just to get your movie made? What's the best way to get a referral for representation? Yeah, to get just get your script read by an agent or a producer or executive. I think it's just visibility. Uh, you know, it's, um, again, it's, it's festivals, it's developing with the right producers. And again, it's not just some random producer who is based out of some random part of the country who just said they love it, here's a shopping agreement. Um, it's more of like, okay, look at their credits, like have they done things in the past? Do they know, you know, do they have an actual strategy and the connections and things? But um, if you're working with those type of producers or managers, um, 
at a certain point, they're going to want to flag an agent for you because it helps their job as well. Um, so I would keep that in mind. And then the festivals like we talked about. Um, other than that, it's, you know, it's being in the industry and like, you know, maybe being an assistant, be a writer's PA. Um, you know, we've signed writer's PA who've placed and have gone to have great careers. Um, you know, um, being an assistant at a studio and like, there's nothing wrong with like learning the business, like learning what kind of content they're getting, what they're trying to sell to networks. And you do that system, depending on where you are in your life, like being an assistant for like a couple of years. And then once you feel confident and comfortable with the pacing of the industry, being like, okay, I have the network. I kind of understand how this business works. I'm going to really, you know, not just spend my mornings or weekends writing. I'm going to make this full time and go off there and use these connections to my advantage. So there's, there's a few different ways to do it. Um, but I think it's really just being visible and like being out there. Okay. Ron asked, my log line is two sentences and my query is 14 sentences. I've hammered it into me. Uh, I've had it hammered into me to use the KISS method. If something this link came to you, what is the likelihood that you would read it? If it was like 14 sentences So the, the log line is two sentences and the query is 14 sentences using the KISS method. What's the KISS method? Keep it simple, stupid? Sure. Is it... I, I imagine so, yeah. Okay. Um, I I'm mean, thinking the rock band for some reason, but yeah, yeah. That, that makes more sense. I think he's saying keep it simple. Um, I, uh, you know, look, I'm not like saying there's like an exact science. There is kind of a science to it. I mean, it just has to read quick, like it, it can't feel like a drag, you know, like don't give your life history on it. Um, you know, like just make sure it feels like eye popping, I guess, you know, that's the best way I can say it. Like. <laughs> 14 lines, four lines. If it just feels like you're grabbing us, you're actually funny or you're pitching something that we haven't seen before, it just has to, it can't feel like I'm dragging, like reading like a, a biography of someone. That's the best way I can answer that. The other way I can tell you is that like, you know, we'll advise clients when, we, when they do practice pitches, like in TV, especially a pitch should be like roughly 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. But sometimes like a pitch goes like 25, 30 and like, especially if it's like a big world building or there's a lot of intricacy elements to it. And we'll just tell them that's fine, but just can't feel like a 30 minute pitch. So that's, that's what I would say. All right. Molly asks, if you, were to, if you were to pitch a show as a showrunner, how many episodes should you pitch for a season? In the past, I'm guessing it's about 22 episodes, but now we have streaming, does that change? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 changed for quite a while now. That's why even broadcasters seeing a lot of shows that are 13, 15 episode orders. Um, yeah, I mean, most TV shows are roughly in that eight to 13 episode range. Um, every so often you'll get like the event series like Chernobyl that are smaller, but uh, yeah, you're usually kind of aiming for eight to 12. And I would say going into pitching, you should have that in the back of your head and mention that in the meeting because I'll give a sense to buyers like what you're seeing and like, does a show, um, are they, it doesn't fit their mandate, what they're looking for, but I would say eight to 12 is what a lot of places are looking at. Financially makes the most sense. And uh, usually you can tell like a serialized story in like that space, so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we got a question about career pathing. Uh, this person asks, well, they, they say, I graduated college in May and went to write in direct features. I'm interviewing at CAA to start in the mailroom. What are your thoughts on starting on this path for directing? What would your next goal be with some written features and a few shorts that have had some solid budgets behind them? 
So he's got some written features and he's directed some shorts. And looking to start in the mail room at CAA. I mean, yeah, I mean, CAA, I think, um, you know, if you're in the mail room, you're going to be in the mail room for, you know, anywhere from four months to a year. Um, and then if you're lucky, you get onto the department you want to be, which might be like feature lit. Um, and then you're going to work there and work with like some of the biggest, you know, box office, you know, critically acclaimed directors and talent. You're going to see how they package in their own way and how, you know, you'll, you'll, in the very least, I think for you, you'll, you'll make a good network at least. You'll meet producers that you'd maybe want to work with and directors you maybe want to assist. Um, so that's like a potential path for you. Um, and, but just know that that's going to be like a two to three year trajectory. And so the question is like, how much time will you have in that time to direct your own things, to finance, get your own financing? Those are, you know, being in an agency is not like a part-time gig. So it's like, okay, you're going to work long hours, you know, and do you have, will you have the, the energy to come home or wake up early to write, to get things going? Are you going to spend all your weekends then directing and writing? Like you have to then balance two full-time jobs, you know, while you're still an assistant. So it's not like you shouldn't do it, but it just depending on how passionate you are, maybe you just want to pause and like learn a bit about the roast, make some connections, fine. But you should always be kind of thinking about your writing career and your directing career and continually making things, even if they suck, to continue evolving yourself. So you just have, when you sign up for that, just know that you're playing a long game that could benefit you very well, but um, you have to balance two careers at that point. And then just more, more often than not, like, no matter what agency you're at, don't, I would keep it close to the chest that you want to be a director or creative because um, not to say that they're going to like hold against you, but uh, an agent may be less willing to hire you because they're going to think that you're just going to like solicit your material to clients and stuff, which maybe you will, but I wouldn't. Um, but I would just say like, it's more of, okay, you're on a desk for a year, two years, and then you'll be the first hopefully to hear about directors who need a new assistant or a writer's room that needs a showrunner's assistant. Like that's, a, that's kind of what your goal would be, or even work at a production company that you'd want to work with. But that's, I think, super helpful for you. But just keep in mind that you, what your initial career path is. Mm -hmm. Now, in regards to representation, um, Peter is asking, what are some red flags we should watch out for uh, from potential representation? Red flags for potential representation. Um, I think this is, I think this is for both agents and managers and no matter what company they are. Um, you just have to trust your gut, I think, with a lot of rep meetings and like get a sense of the chemistry and do you vibe with this person? Like, I think that's a big part and trust what they're saying. Um, I, and do your research on the person, their company, like, do they, have they done things before? And I'm not even just talking about like, okay, they're at three arts, but like who the individual person is, like who else do they rep? Do they know how to get you staffed? Do they know how to get you financing? That can be a small company too. Um, you know, so that it, it doesn't, it's not so much just one corporate to smaller, um, but it's also the individual. I would say red flags. Um, I just feel like red flags, a big thing is like, don't get caught up in like blue sky type of pie in the sky, like talk, like, oh, like you're a star, we're gonna package this person or this person. Like, and like, it, it, I think there needs, I think it's good to find reps who are excited about you and hungry for you and like are really gonna push you out there. 
but there still has to be coming an element of like practicality to it and realisticness. Otherwise, like it's all talk and they have to back it up. So if they're going to say like, oh, we want to, I want to package it with this client or this talent, like they need to talk about when they've done it before and like give you ex examples of when that's happened and not just like saying things that will like get you excited to get you hyped to be like, yeah, that's the right move. Like they need to kind of give you more, they have to give you concrete examples of when this happened and like how they've done in the past. Um, Cause I feel like so many times you'll meet a rep who's just super excited and you like that attention, um, especially when you haven't had before. And now you're like, okay, great. Like we should just do this. It's like, no, you can, you can, you could be with the wrong rep and then it becomes a lot more harder and awkward to unwind that. Like you could be with someone for like a year or so and it's like, no meetings have come out of it. You guys barely talk. And you want to make sure you have someone you feel like you can talk to who has a plan and it feels like a place like they know what they're what they're doing. Mm. Anita asks, if we had a one-hour dramedy series based on a critically acclaimed novel written by the author, and it was considered twice by AMC, Fox, and Kevin Costner, all without us having an agent, do you think if we had had an agent or manager, we could have pulled the trigger? So she had a finished pilot with the author attached with the book. It, it sounds like, I mean, it, it says we have a one hour dramedy series based on a critically acclaimed novel written by the author and it's and, considered by AMC, Fox, Kevin Costner, but they didn't have an agent. And AMC liked the book and was looking for a writer. I, I'm just, <laughs> I had the context for the question. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. If like, if you know, like the network loved this book and like was looking for the right writer on it, like either they optioned it and they were looking for takes, um, you know, then yeah, you need to get in there and meet with someone. And ideally, like if you have a rep, they can make those calls for you and set up a meeting for you to pitch your take on an open writing assignment. If it's um, okay, you are working with the author and they want to work with you and like it's not set up anywhere and you've heard there's certain networks that are interested in the space already then you know either like it's maybe the author has a, a an agent who can help a rep even on the book side who can help set something up or you get an attorney who can set up a, what the one shot meeting uh, to do it not necessarily an agent um if it's okay i haven't made contact with the author but i have the spec and i've heard that amc um you know, might be interested in it, then the first point of contact needs to be the book age and their agent to know like, hey, I love your book. I'm obsessed with this. I already wrote something like, or at least can I pitch? I would personally just say, can I pitch you what I'm trying to do here? And if you're interested, I can send you like the first 20 pages to read, get a sense. And if they love it, then you go back to that second. Topic so I was talking about. according to Anita, AMC, Fox, and Kevin Costa read our script. They each requested a look twice but we can never go into any of these with representation. Okay, so they said that they loved it, but they won't meet because you don't have a rep. Is that what it was, essentially? That's that's I, what the gist I'm getting, yeah. I, I, I get this question a lot, and, like, I just, you know, there's so many, like, okay, who did you actually talk to at AMC? Like, who did you connect with from Kevin Costner's team? that like, I just feel like if they were excited and they were available and they liked it, then they would want to meet, you know? I, cause I don't know, okay, was it like some BA person at AMC who read it and would maybe pass it along to someone? Was it like a junior exec at AMC who like, maybe they liked it, but they, there just wasn't enough um, pull internally to push it through. Um, 
like there's so many factors to those type of questions and like because like so many times you'll get this question of like hey um you know i i share my spec with this random person at, at, a, at, a, at a company and they're interested but they won't really gauge it without a rep i don't know i mean like i feel like if an exec is excited about something there and they want to develop it like maybe they can call a couple of their favorite reps to like help facilitate or do the deal or navigate but i feel like if they read something that they're excited about like they would want to find some sort of conversation there so that's that's my two cents there got it okay um audrey asked how do agents differ from managers when pitching a talent sorry could you say a question again yep uh how do agents differ from managers when pitching a talent i don't know if there's necessarily a crazy difference um you got to know your client and why you're excited about them, what, why their voice stands out, what you feel, why they're marketable, why they fit a certain producer or showrunner or buyer's mandate or what they're hiring for particularly. Like you, I think a good manager and or agent should be able to pinpoint those in the same way. Um, so I, I don't, you know, maybe managers will think about it more in a producerial way and they're trying to like set a long-term relationship and agents are more reactionary. Like there's an initial assignment or staffing gig um, or there's initial like packaging opportunity um, but that also gets subjected to what kind of a company you're talking to because I feel like as an agent you know APA we're very client driven we're a 10% driven so I also want to build those long-term develop uh, relationships for clients too so it's not just like okay does this spec does this client work well for this package we're putting together for this initial staffing gig like obviously those conversations are happening but I'm doing just as many of the more general conversations to introduce them to the right producers and auspices to like build a long-term relationship, get an overall deal, you know, all those things. So I think when it comes down to it, I don't think um, an agent or manager is pitching too differently in my opinion, but um, yeah. All right. Robbie, uh, uh, well, their their statement and then question is i have a film project that i've been working on getting made for a few years now it has a facebook page with over two million organic followers is this something that agent and agents and managers would be excited about wanting to get involved with it's a feature film that's finished and it has it's a film project i don't know if it's a feature but it's a film project that they've been working on for years and it has a facebook page of over a million uh, two million followers it might be a beat early for a rep. It sounds like you're, I feel, it sounds like you're getting enough energy to at least find financing out there to like make it. Um, but yeah, I think most reps would want to see a finished prog uh, project. Um, you know, unless there's something else there that I'm missing, then maybe like, okay, an agency would help put the financing together um, and set up in the indie space. But it just really depends on the idea. If it really sticks out there, then look at, you know, agencies that have the financing arms that would want to put that work together and, you know, get you in front of the right people and then go to festivals and stuff. But I think more so than not, if it's like a long-term play for representation, they're going to want to see something more finished. Um, mm -hmm. So there's there's two avenues, I guess, to that. But right now, the, 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 the attention you're going to be getting is from future financing um, execs who are looking for maybe those ideas, something original that they can put together. Got it. For, for up and coming writers, what would you suggest should be their approach to getting their work 
in front of you know folks like yourselves or um, getting to a point where they can get someone to refer them to an agent like yourself because a lot of folks are you know frustrated by getting no unsolicited work will be reviewed email responses like just what's your advice for navigating that keep writing. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's not an easy business, right? And it's like, you know, these things are so specific nowadays and like not every room is staffing staff writers and not every assignment will look at young writers to plug them in. So it like, but if you have a solid voice and your writing is on the page, like people come out of the woodwork to get to know you and meet you. Um, so that's, all I can tell you is like you just have to keep writing and get, get be visible out there because um, unsolicited query letters are not one way into it. Um, it's not just going to be exec referrals and it won't just be being an assistant somewhere and working your way inside the system. It's going to be kind of all of these things. Um, there's no one route to it. And so it's okay to be frustrated with the process because it is frustrating. But like I, I think if you're if your writing is there, if your if your material is there, people are going to find you. They're going to want to work with you. If your if your movie idea is cool and unique and it says something we haven't seen before, then you know Endeavor financing will come out and want to work with you. You know, so that's just all I can say about I, that question comes up a lot, and I just there's yeah. no other way to say it. Yeah, we just have a few more minutes left with you, Danny. So um, Molly asked if you were willing to share. They would love to hear what was the break up, breakthrough moment for you as an agent. It was an agent. Um, I think there was a few, you know, so far. I mean, I've been an agent for four years, and I still think that's a pretty young career. And it's been, you know, there's been setbacks like the writers firing with agencies that, you know, that was for us took like a year, and um, you know, but. Uh, I think it was breaking out a couple of my younger writers who are, you know, one, for example, was a writer's PA. Another one was a coordinator at YouTube. Like those are two younger voices that I started when I was just promoted. And since then they're like co-EPs, they're developing and featuring TV and, you know, are off to the races. So I think it was like they're, you know, they wrote something new that was like, this feels unique. It's going to stand out there. And, um, it was getting them like their first staff gigs, you know, and like, that's a great feeling, especially cause like, oh, they weren't sure when there's assistance, um, you know, like they just had a great script. They weren't like placing in festivals or anything like that necessarily. It was like their original script that got execs attentions and got them staffed. So that that's cool breaking out new writers. Um, I think another recent one, at least from last year getting the first show on it as a series was cool because it was a writer who, she didn't have any staff experience. She came out of AFI, um, but just had an amazing voice and story to tell. We in the right production company that had an IP that um, Peacock was looking to buy. Uh, she came in with a really strong vision as a series, and um, you know it. That was something that they wanted to move forward with as a series. So like that was cool. Just getting a series order on the air, especially when you like you know, maybe you didn't originate the idea, but like the writer themselves just had a voice for storytelling and being creator. Um, so that was really exciting. Um, and then, yeah, even like the IP stuff is, it's always fun when you see an IP, but like I mentioned earlier, a documentary that was like, um, it wasn't like the highest budget documentary out there. It wasn't even like released yet, but it just was complete and we were able to package that and get fine competing offers. So yeah, those are a few different ones, I guess. So. All right. 
Uh, I think we have time for two or three more questions. Uh, Sue says, I have a friend who's two TV pilots won over 20 screenwriting contests this year, including the Big Apple, but doesn't know what to do next. Any advice? Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, I, I think depending on the festivals and how they operate, if it's like they're going to introduce you to execs um, with general meetings, it's like, okay, whoever you're connecting with, or maybe they invite you to networking events, um, getting to know people, like hearing what they're what they're up to, what they're excited about, if they've read you, if they read you, why they were excited about it, why they liked it, um, and then treating those conversations as generals. If they're not excited about optioning it or repping you, it's like, okay, what are you looking for? What are you excited about? Like, what what are you looking to develop that I could be bringing to you? Um, because obviously, getting placed into festivals um, is one thing. It shows that like you're a good writer and you have a good story to tell or voice or it's polished. Um, but then, see, I was dealing with this because I'm I'm judging one of the uh, feature competitions, and I was talking about this morning with my other juror, and like we see it from very different perspectives because she's a mm -hmm. she's seeing it more from a technical point of view as a as a teacher, and I'm seeing it more as a seller in a very capitalist business, you know. And so we kind of had a gridlock about the top our top options, you know. And not that it, it was it came very subjective, and so. I feel like with festivals, it's like, you should at least know that like, okay, your your content at the very least like shows your, you, you know how to do this craft and that, you know, you you have a vision to your storytelling and writing. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that script is right for development or be made into a show. You know, there's plenty of scripts that we will go out with that just showcase the voice really well, but maybe in this time and where we are right now, isn't quite right for the industry or we'll find the right attachments, but hopefully it can lead you to the, that next step of, okay, like, will it get me repped? Can it get me staff? Like, will it get me attention to work with a certain exec? And I think meeting with people that you're networking with through the festivals, it's like, even if it doesn't directly lead to a job, it's like, why were they excited about your material? Like, what would they want to see more of? Like, what, what do they have coming up like that they're building a writer's room for or might have their closing IP that, you could circle back with them on, you know, be like, hey, how did that project go? Did you guys set that up? I'd love to meet for, like, I'd love to be considered for the staff writer job, you know, or even a showrunner's assistant gig, something like that. Um, but just continue to cultivate that network as it comes through. Um, so, uh, yeah, I hope that answered the question um, a little bit. I just think that generals will get you jobs. And I will say that to even mm -hmm. potential clients that we signed that are looking, that haven't been broken in, is that if you, um, if, if you know if you're meeting with execs or whoever and they loved your script and it's like we love this this is great and you're like okay awesome what now what like what do we do now that can be very frustrating when you're hearing that multiple times but you got to think long term where it's like okay talk to them about their work and what they're doing you know like what are you guys up to what are you excited about like what what do you guys have that's going to amazon or netflix that's pending a mini room or pending you know could would need like a um like a rewrite on or something um track those things that are exciting to you or even like think about what they're looking for in the marketplace to help you write your next thing you know so yeah got it the last question we have for you danny is from cynthia and they write what is the most meaningful part of what you do the most meaningful part um i guess meaningful to the client is that i'm we're constantly talking to every buyer and producer and 
looking at every need like constantly every week. Like these buyers are constantly shifting on us. It seems weekly. So, you know, there, there's a lot of restructuring going on, on the buyer side. So even with clients who are shopping projects right now, like we got to talk to these buyers like every week to get the recent pulse of what's going on. So why I like, why I was gravitated with the agency side and why I liked that side more is because we're, there's so much information that comes in through an agency. And so I feel like I do my job best when I'm supplied with information. I feel more confident helping clients that way. Um, and then I guess if the question is like, for me, like, I think it's great when I'm, when I meet a, a potential client or a writer that I just believed in and I was one of the first mm -hmm. people to, and I can get them to yeah. where they want to be. Like, that's just a great feeling. And like, you know, agents, agents were very much corporate and like we think in the seller way and the capitalist way, but like this, there's a lot better ways to make money and do work. And like, there's less stressful ways, you know, in a stressful industry, but like at the end of the day, we're trying to make TV shows and make movies. And like, that's, it's kind of, it's just fun for us, you know? And like, we kind of have to, even if we come off as insensitive, it's like, you have to have forced goggles to like focus mm -hmm. on finding your clients jobs. And like, that's just a lot of fun to do in a way, like as stressful as it can be, as manage expectations or dealing with crazy people. It's like, at the end of the day, when you keep in perspective, like it can be a very rewarding and fun industry to be a part of. So um, yeah, I hope that answers that. So. Awesome. Thank you so much, Danny, for your time. Uh, some folks were curious, is there a way that they can follow you just to keep up with the projects that you're working on? Yeah, I'm not. I don't know if you have any social media or anything like that. I, I'm not a big social media person. I have like ghost Twitter and you know, Instagram to follow my clients and writer Twitter, but like, I can only spend so much time on those before I lose my mind. So I, yeah. I don't go on social media too much. I would just mm -hmm. say, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I, I go through more traditional channels, I guess, but I'm there. But so if you're, if you're <laughs> posting on writer Twitter and Insta and you're in those networks that I'm part of, then I'm probably getting some glimpse of it. So we'll see. Yeah. And then folks in the chat are saying, thank you so much for your time. I just want to echo that. Uh, we really appreciate your insight, your advice, and uh, wishing you nothing but the best in everything you work yeah. on. I hope that was helpful, everyone. I, I appreciate you bringing me on. So thank you. Absolutely. Take care, everybody. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.